1: and a look at Sears and Target's attempts to reinvent smart home retail. All in today's smart home show, brought to you by today's sponsor, Soundwall. Hey everyone, this is Mike Wolf. Welcome to the smart home show. I'm back after a vacation. It seems like July has gone so fast, and I don't want to make excuses, but I'm going to. Uh, we basically plan all our family vacations this, this one month. And so I've been out, uh, seems like for much of the month, really only probably 10 working days. Uh, but that's made it very difficult to keep up on the podcasting kind of the side of things, as well as the fact that I was traveling. I was in San Francisco last week, uh, at the internet of things, Influencer summit brought by the, brought to you by the same folks who, who create the conference app nation, it was actually in enemy territory, at least for me. It was in San Francisco 49er Stadium territory, uh, being a Seahawks fan. And I couldn't help but go because it actually advertised that we'd be able to eat lunch on the 50-yard line. And I just thought maybe I could do my best uh, Richard Sherman, uh, Russell Wilson impression and eat, eat food at the 50-yard line. Of the 49ers but actually they made a seat on the sidelines. It was fun though. I have to say that the acoustics were pretty awful at this conference. They basically took a stadium, put us in the bo- in kind of the bottom of the stadium, and made it a venue for an event. And it was it was very echoey. Um, at one point, one of my panels thought that he was getting feedback uh, during the panel, but it was actually a panel next to us. And so overall, I would just recommend maybe not having conferences in stadiums <laughs> that are meant for sporting events uh, from now on. But what was cool is I actually got to meet some folks who listen to the Smart Home Show, which is actually pretty cool. It's always cool to go to industry events. You know, I think that a lot of people who, who do listen to the Smart Home Show are in the IoT or Smart Home industry, so it's always uh, cool to kind of run into those folks and you know hear have them tell you that they listen to the show. Uh, I met a jo- uh, Josh Bradshaw who's a nice guy works for a company called Work Tech Work. Also, Philip from an XP uh, stopped by and said he was a fan. He heard my voice uh, while he was doing my panel. I said I recognize that voice, which is. And it's kind of weird, right, to hear a voice you've heard elsewhere or through a podcast and, and then hear, see that person in person. It's weird that it's me that people are saying that to me about. So, But that, it's always cool to talk to people. That was in a podcast. So I'm glad I got to uh, talk to those folks. I also met Alexei Urchak. I don't know if you guys remember. Maybe about four podcasts ago, we met with the, Alexei. was actually a guest on The Smart Home Show. He works for a company called Beyond. Uh, They're doing an interesting startup where the whole smart home strategy is centered around connected light bulbs. And so I actually got to check that out in person, and it it made a lot more sense as I saw him demoing it. So check them out, beyondhome.com. As I'm just winding up, getting back into things, I didn't have time to get a guest for this week. So it's me solo, but I actually just wanted to talk a few, through a few of the news stories and also maybe read a few of the comments that uh, some of the folks that are interacting with me online about my articles to, to, to hear a little bit about that. Also, uh, Dave Zatz actually wrote an article in response to mine, so we'll talk about that. But there's really two stories I want to talk about. The first story I want to talk about is an article uh, based on an article that Stacy Hingabotham wrote in in fortune while I was on vacation called literally the title is quirky is out of money and needs to find funds to for itself and wink this is the title of the article in fortune and we've talked a little bit before uh about the struggles of wink on this podcast I've written about it for my smart home weekly as well uh it took me back a little back a little bit by how open and transparent Ben Kaufman the CEO of, of wink was the CEO of quirky actually about the troubles of the company about their financial troubles you know basically in this in this article he basically said he had run out of they run out of money a couple of weeks ago and they're looking to sell wink looking to basically find someone to, to swoop in with money to buy them and help the the company survive so that was really the gist of it and so it was it was it was a lot of you know quite honestly transparency about Which can be appreciated on one hand, but also if I'm someone who's trying to go to the bargaining table with a potential suitor, I thought, well, maybe it's not best to be airing all that dirty laundry uh, in public. But maybe uh, Ben Ben is an interesting and and, uh, a colorful CEO, so maybe he thinks this is the best way to go. But I decided to write an article on handicap who I thought potentially would be an acquirer. Who would be the company that swooped in and bought wink and saved them from themselves, save them with their save quirky with their financial problems? Uh, for those of you who need a refresher, Quirky is a company that basically uh, does crowdsource inventions and, and and does interesting stuff like they have a project with GE where they made a connected air conditioner based on an idea that someone submitted and they they brought it to manufacturing. So they're interesting, but they also created Wink, which is a smart home startup that does their own smart home hub and uh, and sensors. And around that, Quirky actually sells products that can connect into the Wink hub. You know, Wink has also tried to get partners to connect in and make their their products work with the Wink hub. But you know, after selling approximately three hundred thousand or so of these Wink hubs, um, and having your recall uh, that where they had to recall a lot of that because of a certificate update that that went wrong. Wink ran into trouble. And, you know, when you're a startup um, like Quirky and then you start another startup, uh, you know, that's a way to burn a lot of money. And particularly when you're developing hardware and doing recalls, very cash intensive. And, you know, I, I have a feeling that they were taking a loss on a lot of these. They were selling their hubs for 50 bucks, which is a really, a really low price for a hub with a lot of radios in it. So they were probably subsidizing the cost of these hubs, which is an interesting thing for a startup to do when they're trying to, if they were trying to conserve cash, apparently they weren't because they've run out of it. So with all that context in mind, all that backstory, I decided, you know, they're trying to be sold. They, the, company, the CEO has come out and said, hey, we're, we're looking for a suitor, we're looking for a buyer. So I went down the list and thought, well, who will buy them? And quite frankly, I had trouble thinking of them. When I went down kind of the usual list of the big tech companies that, you know, oftentimes are the ones that buy and do a lot of acquisitions, most of these guys, the checkbox for a smart home hub company has either already been checked or isn't on the paper. Um, you know, Apple – was a company I looked at, and I, I kind of rated them, I, and I rated all these different, maybe about five or six companies. Apple was the first. I said, you know, the chance of a Wink purchase is basically zero. They have HomeKit. They really see a- Apple TV as th- their hub. So I really didn't see that happening. I didn't see it in the cards. Microsoft, I didn't see it as well either. I mean, on paper, it may actually seem like a fit because Microsoft's been relatively quiet compared to their big tech brethren out there. But they but I just don't see it because most of what I've heard coming out of Microsoft, just, you know, kind of what I'm hearing in the wind is that they're doing a lot of their own internal development. Um, So I didn't really see them going in and doing an acquisition uh, of Wink, quite honestly, Samsung. Well, they've already bought smart things. So this would be a bit of a redundant purchase. Uh, I don't really see them swooping in Um, They're, You know, one of those companies that they hadn't already made an acquisition, I could see them being a very likely candidate, but with, with their smart things, in the fold already. I just don't see it happening. Google? Well, Google's done lots of acquisitions, haven't they? Obviously, Nest. They bought the remainders of Revolve. Um, they bought Dropcam. And so you might think they just might keep on going and, and kind of gobbling up the rest of the other companies in the space like Pac-Man. But I just don't see that happening either because I think you know, Revolve essentially was their Smart Home Hub acquisition. It was an aqua hire where they did basically dissolved the Revolve and, and took that IP and employees and... and, and kind of applied it to their other efforts. Now, they could do the same thing with Wink, but I don't see why they would do that because they already have the kind of expertise that would be required to build a hub and and kind of have that understanding with the Revolve. So I don't see them doing it. LG, you know, LG is an interesting company. They always, uh, I think, are playing in kind of these new initiatives. I think a lot of the folks who went into connected TV over the past five or six years went into connected home are now also going to smart home. I see that with LG. They have... Obviously, a lot of things they've been doing in their appliance space. They've been they've been building smart refrigerators for a while. Um, they also are the company uh, that is rumored to be behind the DIY smart security camera for ADT that uses Zonoff as the back end. So they have a lot of things going on, a lot of irons in the fire. I don't necessarily see them swooping in buying Wink because I think it would throw a monkey wrench at things. Although I will say they have made random acquisitions in the past, one of those being... Uh, the remainders of the Palm, Palm OS. They bought that company and said that they would apply that to their connected TV efforts. Um, I haven't seen a lot of fruit from the, that acquisition, but LG is one of those companies that oftentimes will swoop in and buy a company fairly randomly. However, I just don't see that happening. Another company I was I was thinking about was Home Depot because Home Depot is a partner of Wink. Um, they were really a company that said, hey, we want to kind of you know, we'll, we'll stock lots of different smart home hardware, but we really think we, Wink is a preferred partner. You know, we like the folks at Quirky. Uh, this is me doing my Home Depot impression, if the Home Depot was a person. But with the Home Depot, with the particularly the Wink recall, I feel like Home Depot may be ready to wash their hands of Wink. You know, they certainly didn't do an exclusive with Wink. Um, they had been stocking the Revolve hub, uh, and they, they decided to stock the Wink hub and actually kind of made Wink a preferred partner. But like I said, with the recall, I kind of feel like uh, they may be ready to wash their hands, particularly because a lot of these smart home hubs at retail haven't been doing that well. As I've written elsewhere, the market today is much more of a point product market where people go and buy things like cameras, thermostats and locks, not necessarily buying a lot of smart home hubs at this point. So I, I can understand why maybe Home Depot may be ready to say, well, it's time to move on. You know, another company I was thinking about was GE and GE, I mentioned and thought about and write about because they are a partner and they're actually a strategic investor. I think they came in, invested in Quirky in particular uh, in the Series D round. Quirky's raised a lot of money, folks, well over $100 million. um, And GE is one of those companies that came in fairly late. And so they may be one of those companies that's thinking, hey, I want to um, maybe salvage what we've invested by paying for at least some of the assets and, and kind of buying the remainders if they do decide to do an acquisition Although I do think that Wink in particular doesn't fit what I think I see coming out of GE, which is largely started been pull, largely been pulling out of consumer markets. They uh, divested themselves of their white goods appliance division, um, and I and I see the company really is trying to position itself as more of a an industrial Internet of Things, which has really kind of been their specialty and what they've been talking a lot about. Um, but you know, who knows? Maybe they, they feel like there might be some pro, some room in the large company under the large umbrella that is GE for a wink or a quirky, uh, that's, that remains to be seen. Another one I threw out there was Amazon. You know, Amazon, I think has been going down the the road less traveled when it comes to smart home, just from a strategy standpoint, they've gone, kind of avoided going down this, Hey, here's our smart home hub, uh, strategy that a lot of companies have gone down. And I think that's been fairly wise because it's been unconventional. It's been surprising. And I think the Amazon echo, uh, was a kind of a refreshing and different approach, um, that I think a lot of folks kind of wish they, they had thought of, maybe Apple, for example. But um, So I don't necessarily see them saying, hey, well, let's, let's get in and buy a, a hub. But at the same time, you know, if there are cheap assets to be found, I, you know, as I wrote, I think Bezos likes a good sale. I could see them maybe doing uh, an acquisition, dissolving the, the Wink brand. And if they bought the whole thing, including Quirky, I kind of feel like Ben Kaufman is a kind of guy that that Jeff Bezos would like, a little bit of a, a Quirky CEO, a little bit kind of guy marched to his own drummer, much like I think Bezos does. So they got that going for them. Still, the odds of this type of acquisition of Amazon buying Wink or Quirky, I think are fairly, fairly low. So bottom line, I came to the conclusion that the most likely candidate for a company to buy Wink was a Dark Horse surprise WTF suitor, uh, someone that comes out of nowhere that surprises us. And I think that's often the case. When you see an acquisition, it's oftentimes someone you hadn't thought about or maybe when you when you see the acquisition, you go, "Oh, that makes sense." It's it's this company, this service provider. Oh, it's it's this security hardware maker that needed to add DIY to their product portfolio. Oh, it's Dell who really wanted to get in smart I could just see any number of those. And to that end, uh, you know, I wrote this piece, and and David David Zat's a well known home technology blogger. I think you know if you if you read consumer technology blogs, you know of Dave. Uh, he's a great guy um, and I read his blog all the time and so I was uh, interested to, to see and happy to see that he wrote a response blog post to mine basically saying wink seeks a white knight and you know he, he wrote a lot about my posts uh, and and came to the conclusion that it, it is hard to handicap suitors after he'd read my me trying to do it um, because it's so hard to to really predict all the different angles people are coming from. So I agree with that. Although he does mention a company in D-Link that I hadn't really hadn't really mentioned, but that makes a lot of sense because companies like that, he mentions D-Link, but he doesn't, he, he says companies like D-Link are trying to build out home automation businesses so they could be likely candidates. And I agree with that. That could be another potential interesting candidate, particularly if something like a Wink could, could be had fairly cheaply and they're selling the assets that they've developed. Um, that could be an interesting acquisition as well. So, um, I would recommend you read that. Also, TechPaul64 uh, wrote in response to my post uh, that he thought the key quote in Stacey's article, which kind of was the genesis of why I wrote it, was Coffin noted that he, he one of the things he said is he wouldn't start a startup within a startup. And so TechPaul64 said, so I'm guessing it won't be a small fish. Wink hubs aren't going to make anyone a profit, but perhaps a big retailer like Target would want to own the platform. He went on to say, I wonder if the IP would be interesting to a company like Google if they ever decided to make a hub or home router. I know that they have Nest, but they have also been known to take on two or three different paths at the same time. Well, I think it's interesting. Target is an interesting potential company. I think that Target actually has a fairly streamlined approach to new markets where they oftentimes get a couple key products that they will offer up uh, and and sell. What's potentially different, we're going to get to the stories, you know, the. The Target concept store that they created around Smart Home is interesting. Um, But I don't necessarily see Target getting in and and jumping into the market. Google, I could see if they hadn't already bought Revolve. So, you know, they've already kind of jumped in and made that acquisition. They have have Revolve in their back pocket. They bought Nest. And so I think throwing in a new company with kind of their own platform, a new company from the outside, I think maybe, probably not. Upon reading Dave Zatt's article, techpaul 64 left another comment uh, saying that, you know, D-Link had caught his eye upon, you know, David suggested D-Link caught his eye and he talked, went on to talk a little bit about, you know, why router companies uh, aren't actually thinking more about smart homes. As he says, although nowadays routers are often being provided by, ISP, by ISPs, I would not be surprised if D-Link or another networking company saw this as an opportunity to gain an edge over the competition for what is likely a low valuation. A hub router product might be a more justifiable purchase for the cautious consumer, and quite honestly, that product might be more reliable as one combo device. I think he's on to something, and you know that's part of the reason why I've been a fan of uh, what companies like SecureFire doing with the Almond Router. That combination of the Z-Wave and Zigbee with a home router makes a lot of sense particularly if it's a good router that, you know, that gives people a baseline to buy the, the product for. Because, you know, everyone needs wireless in their home pretty much. Everyone who wants internet connectivity, um, there's a good reason to buy routers. And then having the smart home added onto that makes you kind of think, well, maybe I should experiment with these devices. So I'm quite frankly more surprised that we haven't seen more companies jumping in in the router space into combo products as well. I think Julie Jacobson had a piece uh, about this. Just uh, this past week over at CE Pro. And I've been writing for some time about how the hub often, you know, I think the hub will get subsumed into the home router. And so I think we're kind of arriving at that conclusion broadly across a lot of different people uh, as Tech Policy 4 wrote about that as well. Let's move on to the next story I just wanted to cover. But before we do that, quickly, a message from our sponsor. This week's podcast is brought to you by SoundWall, a company that makes connected canvases that make great sound. This week, I caught up with co-founder David Hose, the guy who had the original idea that started the whole thing. And as so often is the case when inspiration strikes, SoundWall was born out of necessity, a little spare time, and a lot of curiosity.
0: I've I've been in tech for a long time, 30 plus years, and... I have been a, I'm a software guy, and I found myself over the holidays, and I wanted to do a project with this cool new little computer called the Raspberry Pi. That was um, kind of my genesis, and I kind of wanted to do a project. At the same time, I, uh, my speaker, my Sono speaker in my bedroom broke. And I thought, all right, well, i got to go get a new one of those. And then I looked around and thought, well, aren't there any, like, cool-looking speakers out there? And it, and so those two things became the genesis of the
1: project. And usually in a startup, it takes more than one. And it didn't take long for David to find his co-founder, Sven Coppum.
0: This started as something that I worked with uh, Sven Coppum, who's the co-founder. And we came out, went by his studio, and I saw these incredibly thin Speakers. They were maybe a quarter inch uh, deep. It was amazing. And I, it was crystal clear sound that came from them. And it was those inspirations, you know, meeting with Sven and seeing what he did with these thin speakers, my, my idea to do a project, and, and my inability to find a speaker pretty enough to put into my bedroom, they got me started.
1: Soundwall, making good products at the intersection of art, technology, and sound. Check them out at soundwall.com. If you want to buy one, CEO Aaron Cohen has assured a 90-day money-back guarantee as well as a hundred dollars off if you email him personally at Aaron at soundwall.com. That's A A R O N at soundwall.com. Once again, check them out. Let them know the mic sent you. And now back to the show. All right, the next story I want to talk about real quickly before we get on and talk about Target and Sears Smart Home concept stores is very briefly just an article I wrote about. Uh, me pausing to appreciate HomeKit's focus on security. There's an interesting article in Forbes this past week about how some of the, the people developing HomeKit hardware had, had basically said that, you know, the reason that it's taking them so long is the high requirements and the difficulty around the security implementation, particularly around Bluetooth that Apple is, is basically putting in for HomeKit development. And, And, you know, one of the executives who didn't give his name said, you know, this is similar to what Apple did with CDs, where they said, you know, we're basically going to force this issue and we don't want CDs. Uh, We don't want CD players in our computers anymore. And so they're doing a similar thing, forcing this issue around higher security with HomeKit. Uh, The quote was, at one point, they decided that computers were no longer going to have CDs. Apple recognized that everything is going to be distributed on the Internet. They force an issue. And it's like that here. or Bluetooth has an issue. It's not secure. And that's the quote. And, you know, you know, I've been as critical as anyone about HomeKit, about the mess that it seems to be at the current state and time in 2015. I've wrote an article even saying that, you know, maybe Apple's more hurt things and help things in 2015 with HomeKit. But I just, I wrote this piece because I didn't want people to get confused with my overall belief that, you know, HomeKit will eventually get sorted, things get sorted out even if it's a mess now. And I basically said, you know, the most redeeming feature of HomeKit may ultimately be the high security requirements that Apple is, is forcing in this issue. I mean, they are basically saying, we want everyone to have a you know high level of security, use cutting edge encryption around Bluetooth to make sure that things are secure because they know, we know that things in the internet of things, if things are not secure, we're going to read a lot of horror stories in the news. And, you know, we read one of these this past week. You guys may have read the heard the story about hackers taking over a Jeep, um, and based on that that actual story of hackers taking over Jeep Jeep Chrysler has recalled 1.4 million vehicles based on a hack. So if we don't think that the cost of low security is not going to be high, then we're we're very much wrong. And so I think ultimately we have to think a lot about security in this world. Apple is thinking a lot about it, probably more than anyone in terms of like. Forcing the issue, making sure things are right in the first place before they do this at the expense of the rollout. At the expense of rolling out a home kit quickly, they're putting security first. And my only point was, you know, this is probably a smart move long term, even if it's hurting them in the short term. So that was that. I just wanted to mention that post I'd written. Then the last story I wanted to talk about is the the last post I want to talk about is the story I'd written about um, the target in Sears. Smart home experience centers that they've created. I don't know if you saw the news. If you didn't, in the past couple of weeks, the news has come out that Target and series have created these essentially what are concept stores that you can go to, walk through, touch and feel the smart home in action. Essentially, kind of seeing smart home devices working rather than just seeing you know stacks you know stacks of boxes piled high of smart home gear, and you you know you have to read on the box what it does or ask a question about what it does and not really seeing interacting in the context of a smart home. Well, I think Target and Sears looked around and saw that, you know, smart home hardware, DIY hardware like hubs are not flying off the shelves at places like Lowe's or at Staples. And they said, well, we need to show consumers what these things do in action. We need to give them the context to help them understand what a smart home looks like, because we can't explain a smart home startup. We need to show. It's like the old adage about writing, you know, don't explain, show. And so I think that's what they're trying to do with their smart home experience centers. So they, you know, Target has one in San Francisco. I think there's a total of 30 products you can walk through different rooms, see things in action, play with them a little bit and try them out. And so I think this is smart. I think ultimately the point I was trying to make in my piece was, you know, this needs to be done. We need to try different approaches because currently the current approach of retail hasn't been all that impressive and doesn't quite frankly look like it's working. If you look at the way uh, p- folks like Best Buy are trying to sell smart home hardware, it doesn't really look like it's working all that well. So I think you creating new experiences, taking some hints from, from Apple with the Apple Store, but taking a step further and really creating a contextual experience, experiential type of storefront is probably the right way to go. It reminds me a little bit of Perch. Uh, if you don't know about Perch, they're this really fairly innovative uh, retailer, particularly focused on home kitchen appliances. Home, home goods, and you could basically walk through a per store in California where they I think they're the most storefronts and try out different appliances and ranges before you buy them. Actually, try them out. What a concept before you buy them. So I think this is kind of the same idea that uh, that Target and Sears are taking with their new Smart Home Experience Center. So you can check that out. I wrote an article about it at smarthomeweekly.net. Um, you'll see that. It will be an interesting experiment to watch. And whether or not Target or Sears take these take the lessons they learned at these uh, experiments and apply them more broadly to their retail footprint is yet to be seen, but I think uh, that's something that I hope will happen down the line. Hey, folks, well, that's it for this week's Smart Home Show. It was me flying slow this week, just catching up on what's happening on and some of the things I've been thinking about, what's happening in the smart home, uh, catching up on some of the, the comments that we've been getting around the articles been talking a little bit about some of the folks I met at the IoT Influencer Summit. It's been a, it's been fun. Next week, I will return with a guest, so keep an eye out for that. Thanks for listening. As always, if you haven't subscribed to The Smart Home Show, go to thesmarterhomeshow.com, or you can find us at technology.fm, or as always, you can find us in any podcast listing or directory uh, that has a lot of podcasts. Uh, we'll probably be there. Just search for The Smart Home Show. All right, folks, that's it for now. We'll talk to you soon.